Let's start off by, um, I want to share with you guys a story of a good friend of mine. Uh, have any of you guys ever had uh, friends that experience a lot of drama in relationships? Raise your hand if you have any of friends that ha- experience a lot of drama in like girlfriend boyfriend relationships. Raise your hand. <laughs> I'm talking about these are the people that break up and then make up and then break up and then make up within like a month, right? Um, so one of my friends, uh, he was one of those, right? He was in one of those. And actually very heartbreaking to see because both of them were my friends, <laughs> right? Um, a close friend of mine, um, uh, they were both interested in each other when they were in high school. And in high school, they started chatting, they started uh, liking each other, and then they became uh, boyfriend-girlfriend, all right? <laughs> now, what do you guys say? Dating, right? <laughs> I guess that's a mature way right, of saying it, right? Dating. They start dating, right, in high school. And so one day, like, they were so in love, they say, they were so in love. <laughs> and then one day, they finally, like, uh, they said that they were going to get married. Right? They, everyone thinks they're high school sweetheart, think they're going to get married. And then one day, my friend, he broke up with her. He broke up with her uh, for a strange reason. I guess he just didn't feel like the relationship was going anywhere. So it was so hard to see because the girl, she's also my friend too. So it's so hard to see like her like uh, her heart broken, right? And um, he sincerely apologized and he called off the relationship. And um, a couple months later, uh, the inevitable happened. Uh, he started dating someone else. This is my friend, right? He started dating someone else and then she was very heartbroken. Very heartbroken. And um, what ended up happening is they lost contact. And then uh, a few years later, uh, they got back together. They got back together. But in between that, uh, my friend, he had dated another girl and was very serious about it. Very serious about it. But then right when they were getting close to marriage, something in his heart said, I can't do this. Like, there's still something in my heart for that the high school sweetheart, right? <laughs> I know, I know. And this is like, right? But so he called it off and he started um, pursuing the high school sweetheart again. And then, but the thing is, she had been waiting. She had been praying and praying and waiting. And then finally, um, they got married. They got married, right? And now they have uh, children. And, um, but let me, why am I sharing this? Let me backtrack to the, uh, proposal okay this is one of the most like craziest like proposals i've ever like seen so what what happened was um one day my friend he's just connecting out in the community and he meets some random guy who's the owner of a local movie theater right and then the owner happened to be a christian and then my friend all of a sudden asked hey uh, by any chance, uh, how much does it cost to rent out a whole theater for two hours? How, how much does it cost? And then the owner of the theater, he said, actually, I feel like God is telling me to let you do, to do it for you for free, right? So my friend's like, what the, that's crazy, right? 
So the day comes, proposal day comes. Um, he asks her on a date. They go on a date to a movie theater. That movie theater. And then they walk in, and they're sitting there, and she's like, why is it so empty in here? He's like, I don't know, maybe the movie sucks, you know? Lights turn off. Movie starts. He had made a 15-minute slideshow in a movie of pictures and memories ever since high school. And it started, it started playing. And she's like, she's crying like crazy because they had gone through so much. So much heartache, so much ups and downs. And he's bawling, bawling. And then the, the video finishes. He gets on his knees and says, will you be my you know, wife? You know, will you marry me? I don't know what he said. <laughs> will you be my wife? I just killed the punigi, right? Uh, I just killed the mood. All right, will you be my wife? Obviously, I need to work on it, right? And then all of a sudden, both of their friends, like all their friends just came out of, they filled the movie theater and congratulations. So many people are crying because so many people understand and know that how much they have gone through, how much pain they have gone through. And the reason why I'm sharing this <coughs> is because um, what he was doing in this crazy proposal is he was, it was all a setup for her. It was all a setup. Everyone say setup. He set up the video. He set up all the friends coming. He set up the whole thing. And if this is not a setup, I don't know what, is a, <laughs> what a setup is. All right? um, and the reason why I'm sharing this is as I was praying and asking God, God, what should I share on our first large group? I was reminded of my friend's story. And I'm sharing this because I believe that every single one of you guys are here because it's a divine setup. It's a setup. You know, I know, I don't know what many of you guys have gone through in life. The ups and downs of life. The pain, the suffering, the mistakes even. But I want you to know that our God never gives up on us. Our God is a God who pursues us constantly. And I believe that God's hand is upon you and I. And for those of you who are here for the first time, and even those who have been around for a long time, I want to tell you, this is a setup. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is a setup. You know? Yeah, I mean, just like, it's, it's so cool. Just like she was sharing, like, this is her second day here, Right? And then she walks in, and then all of a sudden, Dan goes up to her and be like, hey, we want to invite you to this uh, Christian club, you know? And then, like, she's, like, looking for this, and then she comes here, and it's, it's a divine setup. Divine setup. And I want you to know that I believe that each and every one of you guys, no matter what you guys have done in the past, uh, no matter how much influence even your family may have on your life, I want to share with you that God is very intricately involved in your life. You guys know what a tapestry is? Tapestry is, a, is, when, is when threads are interwoven together, creating something so beautiful. I believe that God is making a tapestry out of your life. He's using the suffering in your life. He's using all of those things in your life, and all this is a setup. All right? And so today, uh, with that said, I want to share with you um, 
about a life of one of my favorite characters in the Bible, and his name is Joseph. Yeah, everyone say Joseph. Uh, now, Joseph is, I love the story of Joseph. If you want to read the story of Joseph, you can find it in Genesis chapter 37 to 50. It's about 13 chapters. And I'm not going to read it all right now. <laughs> I said 13 chapters, you guys were like. <laughs> and you know what? It's very interesting because out of the, in the book of Genesis, the story of Joseph is the longest so whoever wrote Genesis, for some reason, wrote the story of Joseph, and it was so long. And there's a reason why. And now, how many of you guys are familiar with Joseph in the Bible? All right. And I just want to share his story, because his story is powerful. This guy named Joseph, he had ten brothers. Ten brothers. And his father, his name was Jacob. And his mother, his name was Rachel. Jacob and, uh, yeah, Jacob and Rachel. Joseph, at that time, he was the youngest brother. How many of you guys are the youngest in your family? Youngest. Mangne, right? Youngest. We've got a lot of youngest ones in here, right? So the Bible says that when Jacob, his father, looked at Joseph, he said he favored him. He loved him. You know why? Because Joseph, he was actually a miracle baby. A miracle baby. Right? He favored him. And so, at the age of 17, his dad, his uh, fashionista dad, bought him a nice coat. It's called the, it's called the um, coat of many colors. Right? Um, I looked at pictures of it, and it doesn't look that great right now. It wouldn't fly right now. Maybe one day when trends go here and there, it'll, it'll be in. But, but right now, uh, it don't look that fly. And so, he gave him that coat. And then he loved this coat, and then all ten of his brothers, they were so jealous of him. Jealous of him, all right? Maybe your parents have gotten you something, and your brother and sister was jealous of you, right? <laughs> something like that, right? And so this is Joseph. And then something happens. Joseph, he has two dreams. Two dreams. And I want you to pay attention here. This is really important. The first dream, he has a dream where... Uh, wheat, right? You guys know what wheat is, right? There's a bunch of wheat surrounding Joseph's wheat. And all the wheat, they bow down to his wheat. So Joseph, because he's like, I don't know if I would do this, if it's wise to do this. He goes up to his brothers and is like, hey, I had this dream. In this dream, like all you guys, like all the, your guys' wheat, it bowed down to my wheat, right? And then I don't know why he would say that. His brothers are already jealous of him, right? Because he's favored. And then he has another dream. Another dream is he sees 11 stars. 11 stars bow down to him. And the sun and the moon bow down to him. And he goes to his brothers again. Hey, um, I, saw, I had another dream. 11 stars bowing down to me. And the brothers like, who, who is this ninja, right? Who is this ninja, right? Who does he think he is, right? And then, and then, and, the, and and Rachel and and Jacob were like, "All right, all right uh, I'll keep that in mind, you know." So I have these crazy dreams, and I want you guys to think for a moment here. Like, his brothers were so jealous and hated Joseph so much, to the point where they got together and they say, "Let's get him killed. Let's get him killed." I mean, like. 
I have had anger towards people, but not to the point where like, let's, let's, it's not just murder, it's premeditated murder. It's like, let's plan how to kill him. Let's get him, let's throw him into this pit, you know. But eventually what ends up happening is they sell him. They sell him into slavery. Now, I don't know if we come from cultures where that's normal, but I don't know about you, but how does someone hate you so much that they, they, they sell? How, does, how do you go up to Joseph and say, and Joseph's like, yeah, they hated me so much that they sold me. They sold me. Right? I mean, the brothers, what they did, they grabbed his uh, hipster, um, hipster coat, right? That he got as a gift. And then what they, they ripped it up and they killed the animal and they put the blood on the, on the coat. And they went to the father and said, Father, I'm sorry, he, he died. An animal killed him. And then the father just, it says in the Bible, the father just wept, wept, weeping, weeping because it's his favorite son, his miracle child. So Joseph is sold. He's sold into slavery to the people called the Midianites, right? And he's shackled there and he's carried like a piece of meat. And all of a sudden, guess what happens? He's sold again. He's sold again. So if Joseph came up to you and you asked him, what's the most suffering you've ever been to? He can tell you, I've been sold twice. (laughs) What about you? (laughs) Right? What about you? Sold this time to this homie named Potiphar. Everyone say Potiphar. Now things, are, things start to look up in his life. right? Because Potiphar, he's high up there. He's OG. He's high up there and he likes Joseph. He likes his character. He likes how he's strong. He likes how he looks. And all of a sudden, you know what Potiphar says to Joseph? Hey, I like you. Actually, I know you're a slave right now, but... I'm going to give you an upgrade. I'm going to let you be in charge of everything I have. Everything I have here, you can manage, you can be in charge of. Just one thing. Don't touch my woman. Don't touch my wife. You can be in charge of everything here, but don't touch my wife. I would say the same thing, right? If I was married, right? And so all of a sudden... He's been sold twice by his own brothers. As far as he knows, he'll never see his parents again. He's suffering so much and all of a sudden, boom, he's second in command at this rich dude's house. Right? And then something happens. Something crazy happens. And this is something that really challenges me. The Bible says that Joseph was a stud. Joseph looked good. Joseph was handsome. Joseph was like Rufus, right? Joseph was like Rufus, all right? He was a stud. And the thing is, whenever Potiphar went away to do his business, the Bible says that Potiphar's wife, Potiphar's wife came to Joseph. She wasn't even trying to flirt. She wasn't even trying to mess around. Straight up, the Bible says, he went to her and says, hey, lie with me. Straight up, she was not playing any games. Straight up went to her, hey, sleep with me. Because he was so good looking, so, such a stud. 
And the Bible says that she did this day after day. Day after day, temptation came. Day after day, sleep with me. Gratify yourself. Day after day. And day after day, Joseph said no. He said no. You know what Joseph said to part of his wife? He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? I'll say that again. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Why is that so powerful? Because listen, I don't know, but I feel like you and I, I feel like us, when we suffer in life, when things don't go our way, we start raising our hands at God, raising our fists at God. We start pointing our fingers at God. When things don't go our way, we tend to become entitled. We tend to become entitled. We tend to think, oh God, I've been through this much suffering, so God, you owe me. So God, you owe me because I went through all of this. And then the more suffering we go through, be careful guys. We become so self-focused. We become so focused on ourselves. The world is all about us when we go through suffering. Look at Joseph. Look at Joseph. He didn't do anything wrong. He was just trying to help out his brothers, pasturing the sheep. He was just trying to get tight with his brother. He was having a good time, and all of a sudden, for no reason, he didn't do anything wrong. He's sold by his own brothers. He'll never see his family again. He's sold twice into slavery. He has suffered so much. You know what he could have done? He could have said, hey, Potiphar's away. Nobody's going to know. Let's do this. Let's do this. I deserve this. Let me go ahead and gratify myself. Because I went through all this anyways. But his response to that woman, how can I do this against God? God has been too good. God has been too good. And how many of us can we say that? When we're going through suffering, when things aren't going our way, when we pray and it looks like something opposite is happening from what we're praying, all of a sudden we start looking inward. How many of us can say when temptation comes, when Potiphar's wife comes to tempt us with sin, tempt us with all these other things, how many of us can say, God has been too good? In the midst of suffering, how can we? How many, how many of us can say, God has been too good? And so what does Joseph do? You know what Potiphar's wife does? She kung fu grips him, his shirt, lie with me. So he takes off his shirt and he breaks camp. He runs away. On a side note, let me tell you guys. When temptation comes your way, you guys know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you got to break camp. Sometimes you just got to leave the place where that temptation is and take drastic measures. On a side note. You guys with me? So Joseph breaks camp. He runs away. What does Potiphar's wife do? He has his shirt. He tells everybody in the compound, Joseph tried to rape me. Joseph tried to rape me. I was just doing my business. Joseph came on to me. 
And he tried to rape me. He touched me. And Potiphar found out what happened. Joseph goes to jail. He goes to jail for something he didn't do. Hey, Joseph, what kind of suffering have you been through in life? Oh, well, I've been sold twice. I'll never see my family again. And also I went to jail for no reason. Accused of rape. And he goes to jail. Can things get worse? You guys good? You guys with me? So he's framed and imprisoned. And all of a sudden in prison, because Joseph, what I love about Joseph is in the face of like so much suffering and so much stress and so much life circumstances that aren't going away, he's so consistent and steadfast in character. Because in jail, he's a good boy. He does a good job. And actually, he makes a lot of friends in jail. You know how many years he's in jail? 13 years. 13 years in jail. What do you think he's thinking about? And then in jail, he makes two friends. Everyone say say a cupbearer. And then a baker. A cupbearer and a baker, for some reason, the Bible does not say, for some reason, the king, his name is Pharaoh, he sends them both to prison. And all of a sudden, these two friends, they have dreams. How many of you guys dream in here? You guys dreamers? Yeah, you guys dreamers? The cupbearer, he has a dream where he, she sees three, three clusters of grapes. Who likes grapes here? I love grapes. Three clusters of grapes, and then he sees someone squeezing the grapes, and the juice comes into a cup, and the king Pharaoh drinks it. And then Joseph says, hey, I can interpret dreams. Let me interpret that for you. You know that? And then Cupbearer says, what does it mean? He says, oh, it means in three days, you're going to get free from this jail, and you're going to be back to serving as a cupbearer for the king again. Great. Awesome. The other guy, the baker, who likes bang, bread? I love bang. The baker, what he does is he has a dream where he's carrying three baskets of bread on his head, and the birds come, and they eat all the bread. He's like, hey, Joseph, you can interpret dreams. What does this mean? Like three baskets, birds come eat it. What does it mean? It means you're going to be dead in three days. <laughs> so after three days, Pharaoh's going to put you on a pole. You're going to get hung. Bird's going to eat your flesh. And sure enough, that brother is dead today. Sure enough, cupbearer goes back to serving the king. The cupbearer says, hey, tell, tell Pharaoh that I'm in here. That I, want, I want to get out of here. I think they forgot about me. But the cupbearer, he forgets. He forgets. He's in there for 13 years. 13 years. One day, Pharaoh, he has two dreams. A lot of dreams here. He has two dreams. Here's the first dream. Are you guys hot? You guys okay? Okay. Maybe it's because I'm speaking so much, right? He has two dreams. And the first dream is he sees seven skinny cows eating seven fat cows. The second dream, he sees seven grains of corn, dry, dead, 
ears of corn, eating seven fresh grains of corn. And Pharaoh's like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And the cupbearer, remember the cupbearer, right? He goes, oh, hey, Pharaoh, I know this homie in jail. He interpreted my dreams. He can interpret dreams. Let's get him out of there. So he calls Joseph. And Joseph, he's like, I can interpret dreams. God's giving me this gift. Let me hear your dreams. All right. And then the interpretation he gives is this. Pharaoh, this is what the dream means. There's going to be seven years where here in Egypt, there's going to be so much food. In seven years, there's going to be so much food here. But after seven years, there's going to be seven more years where there's going to be famine, no food, death. And it's going to be so bad that people are going to forget that there were seven years of abundance. That's how bad it's going to be. So Joseph, he says this, I got advice for you, Pharaoh. I want you should, every year from now on, you should save 20%, 20% of all the food in this land and you should save it. And then Pharaoh's like, wow, that's an amazing idea. You're smart, good looking and smart. So he gets out of jail. Things are looking up, right? He gets out of jail. And what happens? Pharaoh puts him as vice president of Egypt. Prime minister. Pharaoh's like, I'm the king, but you're second in charge. I trust you. I want you to lead this whole thing. The story's fun, right? You guys like stories? Yeah? And then what happened is this. The dream actually happened. Seven years of plenty. So that's, what is that? 13 years in jail plus seven years of, of like flourishing and then seven years of, it's a lot of time has passed. He's like well adult now. And then guess what's happening? Famine is hitting all over the world, all over the area. And guess what? People are coming to Joseph, people are coming to Egypt for food. People are coming to Egypt because they're dying. There's no food anywhere. But guess who's in Egypt? Joseph. And you know what? The people in Canaan are coming to Egypt. You know who's in Canaan? His brothers. And Jacob. So he's doing his business one day and all of a sudden, in walks his brothers. Joseph, he notices them, but they don't notice him. How would you feel? What emotions would you feel? The people that sold you into slavery, you did nothing wrong to them. Now you have power. Now you have authority. And these brothers are coming to him. Eleven brothers. Because Benjamin is born now. Eleven brothers come. And guess what they do? Bow. They bow down to him. And the dreams that Joseph had earlier in his age were fulfilled. The stalks of wheat bowing down to his. You know what's crazy about that? It said specifically he had a dream of 11 stars bowing down to him. At that time, he only had 10 brothers. Benjamin wasn't even born yet. 
Years later, all of a sudden, precise, 11 brothers, they bow down to him. Scripture says that he couldn't compose himself. So he ran out of the room and he started weeping. He started crying. Hurt so much. Hurt so much. Hurt so much. I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 50. I want you to see this for yourself. I'm almost done here. Genesis chapter 50. Verse 15 to 21. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15 to 21. You guys, you guys there? It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, this is the key verse I want you to know. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear. Am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus, he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Amen. In the message version of the Bible, it says, Joseph said, don't be afraid. Do I act for God? Don't you see, you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for my good. As you see all around you right now, life for all these people, easy now, you have nothing to fear, I'll take care of you. And he blessed that family with the land of Goshen. Can I tell you that this was a setup? The life of Joseph was a divine setup. Through all the suffering, right here, you know what Joseph says? Hey, God will use your sin against me for my good. God will use all my suffering for my good somehow. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you guys, I hope we get to know each other more throughout this semester. We get to just share our pains with each other, share our worries. We get to pray for each other. But I just want to tell you, there's some things that many of you guys have gone through in life. You have no idea why. For some of you guys, there's injustice against you. People have sinned against you. People have hurt you. Parents have hurt you. Friends have hurt you. You went through a lot of real pain. And I want to let you know that God will use it. Because God will do things for his glory and your good. Let me get one thing straight. It's not either or. It's not God does things for his glory or God does things for my good. You know what God's good at? 
He's good at maneuvering and doing things for His glory and for my good at the same time. Amen? Divine setup. Divine setup. You guys know why this is important? Because look, if Joseph had not been sold into slavery, check this out. If Joseph did not get sold by his brothers, if Joseph did not go to jail, if Joseph didn't go through all that suffering, and if Joseph hadn't been set up to save 20% of the food, guess what? We wouldn't have Jesus. We wouldn't have Jesus. You know why? Because if, Jesus, if Joseph didn't set 20% of that food apart, Joseph's brothers would have died. And in Joseph's brother, one of the brothers, his name is Judah. And out of the line of Judah came our Savior, Jesus. Jesus is known as a lion of Judah. And let me ask you guys a question. Do you think Joseph knew at that time that God was setting him up as part of his master plan through his line of Judah, Jesus would come? No, Joseph didn't know that. And I want to let you guys know, will we have faith to believe that when things, when crap happens in our lives, will we have faith to, first of all, be like Joseph and not become entitled and selfish? Will we have faith to continue to be steadfast in character? Will we have faith to believe that I don't, ha- I don't know why this is happening? I don't know why, but I don't have to understand. I trust you, God. Because God, He will do things for His glory and for your good. He's the master orchestrator. How many of you guys play instruments in here? Raise your hand. How many of you guys play like flute or violin? And How many of you guys played in a symphony before? Orchestra, right? You know, I, God is the master orchestrator. He's the master orchestrator. He knows when he creates a symphony, he knows just when to bring the string, string instruments in. He knows just when to bring the woodwinds in. He knows just when to bring the brass in. He knows just when to bring this, this, and this in. And in the end, he creates a beautiful symphony out of your life. When I was a missionary in Africa, in Gambia, I, was, I lived in Gambia for a year and a half, a couple of years ago, for missions. And when we were building houses there, we talked to the contractor. And the contractor came up to me. You know what he said? Would you like, we're going to tile the floor. Would you like full tile or broken tile? And I was like, what? I guess full. <laughs> I don't want broken tile. And then the missionary explained to me, no, here in Africa, what they do is they get a bunch of broken pieces of tile, all these different shapes, sizes, and colors, and they bring them together and they make a cement ground, and it looks amazing. But I still said, a oh, full tile. <laughs> but I went around the neighborhood and I saw all these houses with broken tile, and I realized many houses, they prefer the broken tile. It looks so good. You know, that's what God does. He takes the broken pieces of our lives. He doesn't waste them. Brothers and sisters, you guys have gone through 
real suffering. And God is a God who can grab that and he can orchestrate, orchestrate something so that he'll make use of it for his glory and for your good. God's hand was upon Joseph and receive this, God's hand is upon you. Whether you're here for the first time or f- it's been a while, you're going through the things that you're going through. You cannot get out of the middle of God's hand. God's hand is upon you. He's too good. <laughs> He's too good. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's hand is upon you. You know, a little bit, I, I'm going to share about, I'm going to share a little bit more. A little bit about me is that I became a Christian when I was 15. And for me, um, long story short, I went to jail when I was 15 because of drug abuse. And, uh, yeah, drug abuse and violence. And I won't get into the details, but I went to jail for just two months. And that's when I met Jesus. That's when I became a follower of Christ. Even though I grew up in the church, I was selling drugs. Oh, this recording. (laughs) But you know what? Like, because I was involved in gang activity, I received drugs from my leader. So I would make money for him. But after I became a Christian, I told him, I can't do this anymore. There's something in my heart. I just couldn't live like that anymore. So I lost all my friends. All my friends, I lost my friends. And then one day, that set leader, he has like tattoos like all over him. Like, he has tattoos on his head now. Right? He called me one day. He's like, hey, John, I need to talk to you. Come to my house right now. I'm like, uh... I feel like I'm going to get jumped. But I go anyways. He sits me down in front of his porch. He's looking at me with his, like, demonic eyes. <laughs> He's having a beer, smoking a cigarette. I'm, like, looking around, like, okay. And he goes, John, there's something about you that's very attractive and there's some kind of joy that I see in you. What is it? Help me to change. I'm like, what? I don't know what to do. I just told him, I don't know. That's Jesus. It's Jesus. Huh? I don't know how to evangelize at that point. Oh, I get, wanna, you want to come to church with me? <laughs> so I bring him to church. And he fights with like almost everybody because like, you know, everyone's scared, staring at him. What are you looking at, right? <laughs> he comes to a retreat on the last day, open mic time. He comes to the mic, he grabs the mic, and I'm like, oh, shoot, he's going to say something weird. Oh. <laughs> he goes, he just takes it and says, I thank God for giving me a second chance. He becomes friends with our youth pastor, and he, be- and he accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Seriously. He's doing, uh, he's doing stuff, right? (laughs) You know, if I hadn't gone through all that, if I hadn't been set up 
I don't know if I would have had a chance to minister to him like that. And a few years later, um, when I was 22, uh, the hardest moment of my life happened. Is uh, My dad, I got a phone call saying, hurry up and come to the hospital. It was my crying mother. She said, your dad, um, he fainted at work, and he got a brain aneurysm. And long story short, he, uh, he, he passed away, right? My dad passed away when I was 22. And it was the hardest thing I ever had to go, on th- go through, just being there for my mom and my sister. I was like, what the heck is going on? Like, so sudden. One day, we're calling each other. He tells me he loves me. The next day, he's gone. And I'm hurting. I don't know what's going on. You know? And even to this day, like, it's hard. It's hard, you know? Uh, I'm a leader as a Christian, but it doesn't mean it's easier, you know, just because you're a Christian. It's just pain is real. It's tough. But I do know that I've come across so many people. I can't even count the numbers on my hands. So many people who have lost their fathers. And God has used me to just be there with them. To hold them. To cry with them. To speak life into them. Release hope in them. And you know, like, I don't know. Like, I just made a decision in my life. I don't want to waste my suffering. The stuff I go through, I don't want to waste it. At that time, like, some of our friends would ask me, John, are you mad at God? And even if I tried for myself, I said to myself, I can't be mad at God. Not because I know I'm not supposed to or whatever. That's, like, so religious, right? I just couldn't find it in me because, like, like Joseph, I'm not trying to brag about myself, but, like, I feel like there was that grace on me, like Joseph saying, like, God has been too good. In the midst of suffering, in the midst of all that, like, I couldn't find it in myself to say, like, F God, like, why'd you do this to me, right? There's a quote by Jonathan Edwards, one of my favorite quotes. He says, anything better than hell is grace. Anything better than hell is grace. Because listen, let me make this straight. God owes us nothing. He's given us everything already. He's given us His Son. He's given us mercy that we don't deserve. He's given us grace day after day, breath to live. God has been too good to us. He owes us nothing. He doesn't have to answer any more prayer requests. He's still worthy. But He still blesses us. He's still doing this whole setup thing. He's still involved in your life. Brothers and sisters, the pain that you go through is real. Don't hide it under the rug. Deal with it. Talk to someone. Let someone hurt with you. But I plead with you. God is good. God is good. He has a plan for your life. Let's not point fingers. Let's not point fingers. Amen? Can we all close our eyes? <clears throat> yeah. We'll close our eyes. And I want you to just kind of meditate upon your life. 
just in your mind, just ask God, God, I'm here in Korea, and I'm here tonight, Tuesday night, SNU, Emmaus Large Group. Did I bring myself here? Yeah, you gave me choice. But is this part of your plan, God? Just begin to ask God, what are you doing in my life? Just begin to meditate. And uh, right now, what's going to happen is I want to just, Emily, um, if you can come up. um, She's going to read a list of Bible verses that I wrote down. And let these Bible verses kind of just wash over you and just fill your your hearts. And she's just going to read these truths over you. Yeah, slowly. Just receive. Isaiah 55, 8-9 For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Philippians 1, 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Psalm 145, 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 38. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8.31 If God is for you, who can be against us? The last one I'll read from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. Let's all stand. 
We're not going to end with a song. We're going to end with um, prayer. So I'll pray together. Um.